Thank you, Yaku, for that uh, gracious welcome. Thank you, family, for being here with you again. So great to be in Highfeld and just to minister to you again. Let's just try to get the sound going. I'm sure it will be fine now. Um, Yes, so as we start the new series, you know, in valleys, uh, I thought about, you know, just a roller coaster. Now, look, I love roller coasters. Uh, when, uh, whenever there's a roller coaster, I would want to ride the wildest and the longest and the fastest roller coaster. When we were in America a little while ago for our, for our world conference, uh, you know, we were there in Orlando. So, uh, you know, we decided to go to Disney and, you know, all the theme parks. There are three theme parks. So you can buy a ticket, one for every day, take a whole day and spend your time in a theme park. But, you know, then there's one ticket where, you know, it is one for three of the theme parks. We decided to take that one, but to do all three, all three of the theme parks in one day. So Wendy and I did it. You know, every single ride that we could find in one day, I think we came home, you know, like we, Epcot closed just behind us, you know, as we walked out of Epcot. But every single ride we did. Now the thing about, you know, a roller coaster is that once you're on that roller coaster, you can't get off. You know that. And, uh, you know, you have to be there for the ride. Now sometimes, you know, when we think about our valleys and we think about our difficulty, it does feel like that. It feels like we're on that roller coaster with, you know, and you cannot get off this thing. No matter how much you scream or shout or perform, that is it. You're on it for the ride. Think about valleys and we think about our lives. You know, uh, we go through different valleys in our lives. You know, if we can go, we've got no PowerPoint. Okay, we can go. So if we think about our valleys, you know, then, you know, think about just the Second World War. And I know that all of you were born just after the Second World War. Joking. You know, but uh, 40 million people that died in that war. For one moment, just try to think the trauma after the war that people had to rebuild cities that were absolutely flattened. When I was in the Philippines the other day, I went there to the, to the graveyard or the cemetery that they've got there, 57 or 53,000 people that died in the Pacific you know, War theater there. They've got a cross there for every single one. And I sat there for about 45 minutes watching a video all by myself. It was a Sunday morning early. You know, we were, we were, not, we were not allowed to go to church because somebody in our team had COVID. So I jogged up there and I sat there. And I looked at the Philippines and Manila and looked at the destroyed city, absolutely flattened. After Berlin, the, the city that was flattened most, nothing left. And now you see the Filipino people, you know, how they tried to build a life out of that. You know, we don't have a reference of that, but maybe just a reference of the Ukraine. You know, I don't know if some of you may be still watching the videos or the news, the little news that you get from the Ukraine now. And you see, you know, also just how homes, you know, people's uh, whole life just flattened just because of a decision of, of people. Or maybe, you know, you just think about relationships. Uh, maybe you're in a relationship that's broken up or you, you know, there's, there's relationships that's broken up around you. Maybe there was divorce, you know, you know, Wins and I, both of our family, both sides, and we know the, the, the impact that divorce can have 
or maybe just, you know, we're coming out of a season of COVID, and, uh, and you know, that affected every single one of us. There's not a family that somehow is not affected, you know, because of COVID. And then maybe think about the world, famine, uh, poverty, uh, you know, just the, how it's ravaging the world. And, uh, you, know, you know, if you think about uh, the rich and the poor and the huge gap that it is in between there, and we, we say, well, you know, the people living in the valleys, in the difficulty, in the suffering, how do we make sense of that? Uh, you know, we often hear the thing that says, you know, if a loving God, you know, how can God be a loving God if we look at the world? Making sense of that, and for the next three days, uh, next uh, three weeks as we preach through, I wish we can preach for three days, you know, for the next three weeks that as we preach about valleys, how do we get through it? Today we want to look at, you know, finding God in the valleys, in that difficulty. You can maybe think about the difficulty that you find yourself in now. How do you find God in that difficulty? So before we read the scripture, let us just pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can look unto you, the author and the finisher of our life. And Lord, as we, as we talk about these valleys, Lord, I pray that we would see the light in it, and that is you, Lord, leading us, that you are with us, and Father, that we'll see that the promise that was given through the word uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Lord, that, that is true in our lives every single day. Somebody once said to me, you know, he said, you know, Jesus is the lily of the valley, but he's also the bright morning star. So as we go through the, lily, you know, the valleys, let us see if we can find the lily of the valley, Jesus. But he's also the bright morning star. I don't know about your life, you know, I don't often get those, those mountaintop times, you know, it's more, you know, we are more sometimes in the valley than we are on the mountaintop, but what a wonderful place to be on the mountaintop as well. We read together in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 to 12. Now, Paul speaks about difficulty that they have, you know, in the Corinthians church. Now, Paul, you know, just think about his life, he wrote most of the New Testament, but his life marks life of being in the valley, life of difficulty, life of persecution, life of suffering, and yet he carried on. We know that eventually he died for his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says to us, for what we proclaim is not for ourselves. Now he's speaking to, to the Corinthian people because there's some resistance, because they're preaching the gospel. And he says here, but Jesus Christ as Lord. We proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord. As if he wants to put that nail there. And for every one of us, you know, the words that will come out of our mouths must be filtered through that. With ourselves as servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. So for one moment, Paul goes back and, you know, he jumps into Genesis. Who said we once preached through Genesis to Revelation today? So, you know, he jumps back and, you know, he brings God of creation sort of as a witness 
into this whole thing. He says, for God who said, let the light shine of darkness, out of darkness, creator God, you know, is there with them, has shone into our hearts, that great God who created every single thing, has shone into our hearts the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Wouldn't you want to have the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in your heart today? Just to say, Lord, I would like that because, Lord, there are some things that I don't make sense of. And if I can just have that light shining into my heart and I can experience and see your glory for what it is, Lord, I want that. Then he says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay, speaking about our bodies, speaking of our mortal, mortal bodies, that, you know, we are just people, created people, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. The strength that we have doesn't lie in us. It lies in God. And he likens our bodies to a jar of clay that if we have to drop it, it will break. Then he says, verse 8, We are afflicted in every way, not some, in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. That perplexed is the same, you know, as if you are driving across a railway crossing, you never saw the train, and it had to hit you from the side. It's that same motion, you know. It's something that came out of nowhere, and when it hits you, you know, it's just there. Maybe just a phone call that changed your life. Something that happened. And forevermore, your life will not be the same. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. The death of Jesus, the life of life. Because Jesus died for us, we can have eternal life. But yet also, as Jesus, you know, his death also signifies that one day we will die. But the life of Jesus also says that one day we will live forever. Where do we find ourselves, you know? You know, do we believe that Jesus died for us and in that we have eternal life? You know, do we have that as a firm foundation in our lives? For we who live are always being given over to the death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. What do people see when they look at you going through the valley of death? or the difficulty, or the affliction. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Now just for one brief moment, you know, if we have to hang suffering on, you know, on a hook in the Bible, you know, where do we find it? Where do we find just the principle of suffering? And uh, the other day when I was here, you know, we were teaching about baptisms, very quickly, Hebrews one verse, uh, Hebrews six verse one and two up to verse three actually speaks about the principles of the doctrine of Christ. One of the principles there is the principle of baptism, and we know that there are four baptism. Now, baptism means to be placed in, put in under, like you dunk a rusk in your coffee. That is the picture that it speaks about. So, when we give our life to Jesus, Romans six speaks about you know we are put into Christ Jesus. So, saved, baptism into Christ. So, if we are baptized into Christ, salvation, we are saved. The next thing, Jesus says, you know, be baptized. So, why do we do it? Because Jesus tells us, and what is the outcome of that? Obedience. 
So, baptized into Christ, saved. Baptized into water, obedient. Then the, th the third one that comes from there is baptism into the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 says, you know, and we will be powerful witnesses when we receive the Holy Spirit. Saved, obedient, powerful witness. But then it also speaks to us, you know, in Matthew 20 verse, uh, verse 22. Read it in the King James, you know. Jesus speaks to uh, the sons of Zebedee, actually to Salome, the sons of Zebedee's mother, because she says, be it let my son sit next to you, you know, uh, on your throne. And he says, you know, you don't know what you are asking. Can they... You know, take the same baptism as I'm going to be baptized with. Now, Jesus was already baptized in water. Now he's going to go to the cross. He's speaking about the suffering, and it's actually written there. You know, he says there, the baptism of suffering. Now, we go through a baptism of suffering in various ways through our lives. And then he says, you know, indeed, we will be baptized with the same baptism, the baptism of suffering. But if we read, you know, what is the outcome of the baptism of suffering Romans 5, Mark 14, you know, then it says there, that show that we will overcome. But in Hebrews 6, also it says there, you know, that we will grow unto maturity. God wants to see us as mature people that when suffering or difficulty or even joy comes to us, how do we handle that difficulty? How do we handle our joy? So then he says, so that we'll overcome. So let's quickly look then. Saved. Baptism into Christ. Obedience, baptism into water. Powerful witness, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And I will overcome baptism into suffering. So where do we hang that, you know, onto that principle that, yes, suffering will be there. But it is so that we will, through that, overcome in our lives. We will see it happen. So when we speak about suffering, suffering is a battlefield, but it's a battlefield for our soul. And you must remember that every time that you go into a battlefield, it is a battlefield for your soul. I missed a, a picture one before. Let me go back to that one. I cannot miss that one. Please quickly go back to my family <laughs> because it's important that I do that for, for just now. Just go one back. That's it. Okay, so that is the Chrysler clan. And uh, the reason why I put that picture up there, I'll speak about the picture a little bit later again. That was uh, in April, my son's marriage. Uh, that is Christopher there next to me, twins. You know, I don't think you can see that. They don't even look nearly like one another. <laughs> you know, fortunately, you know, if they speak, I know who they are. And Christopher's got long hair, so sometimes I know who it is. But Christopher married into uh, Florencia Blanca. She is an Argentinian lady, so that is just about, you know, the whole of the world. This in one, you know, Wens being a Swiss. My son's completely confused for what they are because they grew up between Bushman people. That's where they grew up. So uh, with uh, Botswana English, my English, uh, American, uh, you know, uh, ACE, homeschool English. So nobody can place the accent whatsoever. And then, of course, now Florencia being from Argentina and Wens from Switzerland and me, just the Burki there. So, uh, so that's our family. And uh, I'll come back to that one a little bit later now. But when we think about suffering, you know, it is a battlefield for our soul. And you must know that, you know, that whenever we go into that valley, it is for your soul that the devil is going. And even for our faith. Think about, uh, you know, Job. Job never knew about that conversation that happened in heaven. And because of that conversation, you know, the outcome of his life, he lost every single thing, sat in despair, all the questions that he's got. His friends are coming to him. They're giving the wrong advice for 40 
chapters, you know, this poor man has to endure the most difficult time. And God never even at the end of it said to it, Job, you suffered because of that. But Job, God comes into Job's life and he showed Job who he is. And in that, Job found the solace, you know, that in the difficulty, I will still look up to God. God comes to him and he restores his life. That doesn't always happen to us. We don't always see the restoration. But what we need to know that when, point number one, suffering is multifaceted. So when we look at suffering, you know, there are so many different things that can happen, you know, in our suffering. It's not just suffering as many faces. Suffering also comes at a time, you know, that, that it, it doesn't suit us. It comes at no one's convenience. Do you go into your, your day book and you write in there and say, well, let me look, uh, you know, in three weeks from now, you know, this week, that'll be a good week for me to suffer. I don't think we've ever done that, you know. It comes at no one's convenience. It doesn't fit into our lives, not to say even in our day book, because the time that we sometimes have to just think about that, you know, it is so, so difficult to come back to, to my family. You know, if I think in the last seven years, most probably it's the most difficult seven years that we've had in my life. Uh, Jared, that was on the side there, decided that well, he's walking away from Jesus. And for us just to try to make sense of that for our son, you know, it is, he's still, he's still there. And I, you know, uh, when it happened, it is like that train eating you from the side. You, you know, where in the world did this come from? And, you know, the fact that, you know, he's in relationship with a young lady and because of her faith, you know, he says, well, that's what he believes now. And he knows that he knows, and I know that he knows, that he knows the truth, that Jesus Christ is the only Savior. He knows that. But just as a parent, you know, to go through that. In between all of that, wins battle for about four years, five years with the back, and eventually, you know, she could have an operation. But just before that, her mother dies. And then while she has the operation, you know, two weeks or three weeks later after the operation, her dad dies. While my son got married in April, I mean, he, uh, my dad died. The next day, I, you know, I officiated my son's uh, wedding. So it is in this, this, you know, life that we live, this multifaceted thing, you know, of, of suffering, of being in the valley, how do we make sense of this all? We want to look at that tonight. 2 Corinthians 4 that we read, it says, We are afflicted in every way. There are so many ways. We are perplexed. We spoke about that. We are persecuted. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. And sometimes it's even worse than that. The book of Hebrews 11 speaks about, that's our, 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 our chapter about faith. And we enjoy reading about that. We enjoy reading about all of these heroes of faith that overcame. And every time it says, you know, their obedience helped to overcome. But then we come to the end of the chapter and we say, it didn't go so well for other people. It says, the others suffered mocking flogging, imprisonment, stone, sawn, sawn in two. They were killed. They were destitute, afflicted, mistreated, not worthing, wandering about. Verse 39, he says, all of these, though commended for their faith, every single thing that happened to them was because of their faith. Imagine sawn in two, Isaiah, because of his faith. You know, they never saw you know, the good thing coming through there. He says they, they did not receive what was promised. What was the promise? Of course, he speaks about the Old Testament. All of them walked with the, with the promise that Jesus is coming, the Messiah is coming. You know, if the Messiah can just come into the situation I have, 
For them, you know, no, Jesus didn't come that time that they had that difficulty. But verse 40 says, since God has provided something better for us, we sit on this side of Jesus and the cross, and we know that God provided something better for us. We can look unto Jesus and say, Lord, that promise you made that I'll never leave you nor forsake you, even if I walk in that, Lord, we know that there's a better portion for us. That apart from us, they should not be made perfect. It just says that one day, their life and our life together before Jesus will be, will be perfect. So our suffering, mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, you know, that multifaceted uh, life, that is the valley that we sometimes have to walk in there. The second point is, you know, suffering as a consequence of sin. Well, <laughs> you know, I don't think a person that's suffering, you come to him and say, well, suffering is a consequence of sin. You know, that's the last thing they would want to hear for that moment, but that is the truth. It is the truth. It is like a person that is of Afrikaans the saying, moet verloor se vlakte. I tried a very good translation. I, you know, Googled and everything. The closest I could get to in English there, you know, is uh, the valley or the plain of despondency. You know, what that ever means. But, moet verloor se vlakte. It means, you know, <laughs> please don't come with me to say to me, you know, now, you know, that my suffering because of sin. Well, think about that for one moment, you know, that suffering was never God's plan for our life. Definitely, definitely not. Back in the book of Genesis, when God created man and he created us and we were there in the Garden of Eden, you know, everything, he says, it was good, it was good, it was good, it was very good. And then we sinned. So before that, perfectly good. God created every single thing. And from there, that is Genesis 1 to 3, from 3 to 11, you know, uh, Genesis 3 to 11, we see the outcome and, you know, you know, how more sinful and more sinful and more sinful, you know, life became. And then Noah, and then after Noah again, you know, it is like, you know, a reset for us, you know, to start again. But after Noah, it just went spiraling downwards and downwards and downwards until it came to Jesus who died on a cross for us, who paid for our sins so that one day, we can stand before Him, redeemed, just like God intended for us in the book of Genesis 1. We will stand before Him again. Now, we find ourselves in the midst of that too. In the world that is still afflicted, afflicted with sin. So our lives, sometimes we make the wrong choices because of sin. You know, sin is an expensive thing. I saw, and you know, I'll use the example of my son, uh, you know, because of his life and the choices that he made, you know, he's now back also. Both of my sons live in Switzerland. And uh, so the one, Chris Jarrett, is now back in Switzerland. But of all the life, of everything that he's got left, <laughs> three suitcases, that's all. Uh, you know, life, uh, sin is expensive. It's expensive in our lives. And we choose it. And sometimes we have to live through it. But sin's also in, in the life that we live. So the world, the outcome of that sickness wasn't God's, you know, intent. But that is also because of sin. And so many things in life, you know, is there because of sin. Not because we are sinning, but because of sin. Listen to what Romans 5 says. He says, just, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because of sin. Here we sit today. You know, and we and our lives is affected because of sin. 
1 Corinthians 15:21 For by one man came death that is Adam but a man that is Jesus has come also the resurrection of the dead death that is Genesis past revelation that is life that is Christ Jesus where do you find yourself are you still here where your life doesn't belong to Jesus because the Bible says to us then we are still destined to eternal death but then the other side you know the resurrection of Christ because Jesus came, died on the cross, and was resurrected, and our lives belong to Him, you know, we can see life and the difficulty in the valleys and the suffering. We can see it through a different eye. The third point, if we think about this, before we get to the third point, you know, if we think about, you know, our lives now, and we think, you know, now there is a promise of eternal life, but we are not there yet. So our lives now... We still are in a difficulty, and but we, uh, you know, heaven is promised, but it's the not yet. So in between there, you know, that is the tension that we are living in, and the question that we ask ourselves: How did we get there? You know, how is it that we sometimes find ourselves in a difficulty? How did you get there where you are now? Number three, suffering is a tool of sanctification. Now, although suffering is alien to God's goal for our lives, God can use it for our spiritual growth as well. Now, think about suffering. You know, I remember, you know, when all of these things happen in our lives, the first thing that we do is, you know, we looked into our own lives. Lord, what did I do wrong that this train hit me from the side that I don't know where it's coming from? And for a while, you know, it nearly consumed us. To think about, you know, maybe it's something that I've done. Maybe, so, maybe something that I didn't do. You know, that's, that's why we are in this. Um, my dad's cancer. You know, why was that? Uh, you know, Wendy's parents, why was that? Uh, her back surgery, why was that? And maybe you have got so many other things that you can fill into this, the, you know, to those gaps as well. Lord, why all of that? We look into ourselves. But Romans 5, verse 3 to, 20, 3 to 5 says to us, now, only that, sorry, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Paul, what are you writing here? You know, we rejoice in our sufferings. Now listen to this. Know that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Listen, because God's love has been poured into our hearts, God of creation. The one who created all things, the one that says he loves us, the one that says, I'll never leave you nor forsake us, forsake you. You know, it's poured into our hearts the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We are not alone. If you are walking with Jesus, you are never alone. And at nights when you wake up and you think about, you know, the valley that you are and you think about the suffering, the best thing every single time for me, you know, is just to think, Lord, I'm not alone in this. Lord, I'm not alone in this. Lord, you know not just my suffering, but you also know the outcome. You know, Lord, where we are going with this. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17 says to us, For this light momentarily affliction. Now, they were, they were persecuted. Some of them have died. And Paul calls, calls this a light momentarily affliction. In the same way, you know, when the Lord looks at our lives, a light momentarily affliction. How can he say that? 
is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. If we can think about the difficulty that we've got now, the worst thing that can happen, can I say it straight? Is death. That's it. My our friend Jackie, there in, uh, in China, he's leading the churches there in China. We were once uh, with him in, in a hotel there in, in one of the cities. And I said to him, Jackie, now, what about um, persecution? He says, what about persecution? He says, that is part of our lives. The other day in one of our calls that we had, uh, you know, he said, you know, I just want to thank the Lord for persecution. He says, you know, I'm now living a thousand kilometers away in China where I used to live. When I started the church there, we were persecuted, so I moved and I started another church. And then we were persecuted there and then I moved. He says, those two churches are going. And he carried on. He says, I'm living a thousand kilometers away from now. In between there, there are churches. He says, persecution is actually a good thing for us. When we were there in the Philippines the other day, one of the other leaders gave you know, feedback there. He says, you know, please pray for more persecution. He says, you know, it's not, we don't live in such persecution anymore. He says, so we don't grow as fast as we used to. When there was persecution, he says, our church grew. Can we think about that? So now he says there, in light of I might die, he says, the glory is beyond all comparison. What we will be with one day if we steadfastly carry on following the Lord Jesus through our valley. He says it's beyond all comparison. For we look not to things that are seen, but to things that are unseen. Our difficulty is the thing that we see. You wake up to it. Even during the night, you wake up to it. You see it in your mind. You feel it. It's maybe something that is, you know, maybe you've lost your job and, and that is the absolute reality in your life. You, loved a, you lost a loved one. You cannot phone that person. You can't. For these things are seen, are transient or just temporary. But the things that are see, unseen is eternal. He says, look at those things that are still coming. Number four, suffering is a test of our faith. During COVID, you know, we heard some people say, well, we've lost our faith. I, I'm, I'm still trying to wrap my, my head around that. How do you lose your faith? You know, it's not like five cents of, or rand or ten rand that you lose out of your pocket. Because, you know, how do you lose that? It's like I said, I, know I lost my, my, my love for my wife. How do I lose my love for my wife? I mean, I chose and I said, you know, Lord, forever, this side of eternity, that's my wife. That is it. It's a commitment that I've made. If I made a commitment to follow Jesus, you know, it's a commitment between me and Jesus and Jesus now. And, and that change that he's made in my life, you know, I can never go back and say, Jesus, you didn't change my life. You did. I know what I was before I knew Jesus. You know, a wretched man, that is who I was. And Jesus came and he changed my life. And how can I say, you know, no, I've, I've lost that faith. I can't do that. How can we lose our faith so suffering is sometimes a test for our faith because all it is, and when we're in that crucible of that suffering, you know, it comes and shows us on what foundation that we build our faith. Was it like a childish hope or, or just a, a factual reality that, you know, that we are? Hebrews 6 verse 19 says to us, we have got an anchor beyond the, throw, beyond the, uh, the, the, um, the veil you know, that is our Lord Jesus Christ. Go and read that, 6 verse 19. You know, we are anchored 
before the throne room, before the throne of God. Now, Jesus comes in the book of Mark 14, verse 36, you know, and he, he's praying. Jesus knows that the cross is just in front of him. His crucible is there, you know. The most difficult time is there right in front of him. He's going to go to the cross. But then he prayed and he says, Ever Father, all things are possible for you. Think about your life. And we speak to God and he says, God, I know that all things are possible. But now Jesus says, Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So sometimes we know that Jesus went to the cross. And we know that if Jesus didn't go to the cross, we would not be sitting here today. We would not have the victory in our lives over sin and over death if Jesus didn't go. If it wasn't for the cross and the resurrection, you know, Paul says, then our faith is futile. Sometimes, you know, our lives and the difficulty that we go through, you know, speaks volumes into people's lives. We were supposed to be on a flight in Zurich, and then we tested positive for COVID, you know, that time that we had to test. And it was just before we had to fly. I mean, our suitcases were there already, and then positive. Now she can't fly. So now suitcases back on the train, now back to my son, so the first thing when he says, and we've got something in our lives, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing we ask ourselves, so what are we thankful for? That is a good place to start every single morning. So now we're sitting, you know, positive. We don't know, you know, when we're going to fly out. The first thing when he says is, so what are we thankful for? I nearly said wins, you know, <laughs> but, you know, we had quite a few things to be thankful for. Some time ago, some, we were sitting here just before Mainland coming up, waiting in the car, and here comes a car and into the back of us. And when he looks at me like this, and the phone, he turned her mouth, her mouth is bleeding and everything. And she turns to me, she says, what have we got to be thankful for? <laughs> yeah, and it is like that, you know. But... So just to come back, so now we're going to go back, and we got to this place that we're staying. It's a, it's a mission organization. And, you know, so we're telling them, you know, just about the things that we can be thankful for. And the one person says, I can't believe it. He says, how can you live like that? How can you find thankfulness in a time like this? Jesus knew he's going to go to the cross. But, and he also knew that if it's not for that, we would not have been sitting here. And I'm sure that in his heart there was thankfulness as well. 1 Peter 1 verse 6 says to us, In this you rejoice, though for a little time it is necessary that you've been grieved by various trials, so that the testing of genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes through, though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. Christ is revealed in us, in our valley. When we find Jesus walking with us, His life is revealed in our lives, and other people see that. We live a life different to other people because of our faith in Christ Jesus. Habakkuk says to us in Habakkuk uh, 3 verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation, God, the Lord of my strength. He says, although I have nothing, and he lists every nothing that he's got there, he says, I will rejoice in my God. 
Number five, suffering happens in community. I remember when we had our COVID, that was part of during that time as well. Both of us had COVID, we nearly died. So now we're lying there. A week later, we can't do anything for ourselves. We're there in our house and um, somebody comes into our home and look at us and say, well, are these people breathing anymore? And then, you know, they phoned Philip and said, Philip, come and fetch these people. You know, if we don't do it now, obviously, you know, they're going to go, they're going to die. And uh, so they pick us up and they put us in a car. Uh, we didn't complain. You know, I don't think we were actually with it. But in the same way, you know, we knew the people who was doing it for us. Because for 13 years, we've been in this community, in this spiritual family, and we trusted them. We knew that the, you know, what happened there with us in that two weeks of people, three weeks of people looking after us and literally nursing us back to life, you know, that relationship didn't start there. It started 13 years ago when we came back uh, from Botswana into South Africa. We've built that relationship. We are in a spiritual family that's looking after us. And we trusted every single one of them with our lives. Galatians 6 verse 2 says to us, Bear one another's burdens, and so, so fulfill the law of Christ. In suffering, this is what we've got. We've got our family. And we're supposed to look after one another as the church, coming together, showing the love of Christ, fulfilling the law of Christ. That one that Jesus says, love one another, even in suffering. 1 Thessalonians says to us there, encourage the faint-hearted. Verse 16, rejoice always. We spoke about that. Verse 17, just like Jesus prayed, you also pray. We go through this battle, we go through this valley, but we go through that on our knees. Now the hours that we prayed through and we didn't have all the answers uh, you know, of, of, of our lives, but we prayed. You know, the other day, Wentz and I said, asked one another, I said, well, you know, if we think about our lives, what do we have to show for, you know, look, our lives, we've had some difficulties before, but this last seven years. We said, well, if we've never had this, our faith will never have grown ever, ever, like it's grown in the past seven years. Our prayer life has grown. Our, our word, you know, our word time, you know, has grown. Our love for one another has grown. The fact that we love the Lord more now than ever before because, you know, the track record that we have of a loving God walking with us every single day through the most difficult times, we have that. Nobody can take it away from us. We are better even though we are still in difficulty. We read then 2 Corinthians 4, we reflected, we perplexed, we persecuted, we struck down, we destroyed, you know, that is that life from, from, from after creation up to we living now. But there's a time, you know, that the, the full intention of God's creation will be realized in our lives. And we read that in, in Revelation 21. Let's read that together. It says, that, excuse me, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw a holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
That is the intention that God has got with us. Just like God walks with us in the valley where we find Him in the valley, you know, for all eternity also, He will walk with us. Do you choose to walk with Him? Because that's what's making the difference. God chose to walk with us, but it's you that must choose to stick your hand to him, out to him and put your hand into his hand and says, yes, Lord, I want to walk with you as well. Because for all eternity, for those who stuck their hands into the hands of Jesus, who said, yes, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior, we will walk with him forever. He says to us, he will dwell with them and they will be his people, just like he promises in Genesis past revelation the promise still stands and he says God himself will be with them as their God God will be our God forever and then he says to us there he will wipe away every tear from their eyes death that thing that we find sometimes fear most will be no more neither will be there mourning crying nor pain anymore you won't wake up any night anymore with a pain in your heart and say Lord please take this away the former things have passed away we are out of the valley. We are on the hill. And that hill is marked by a cross. The cross of Jesus. We, he died on that cross for our life and resurrection with him. Where we walk into that valley, you know, God says, I want to change your valley, your persecution into a meadow of joy. And that is maybe not now we are, but definitely it will come. Now, but not yet. The not yet is on its way. That is the gospel that God brings to us, that even in suffering, you know, He is with us. So maybe the tonight you are sitting here, and maybe two, or maybe, you know, you are sitting here and say, well, I've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. I've never put my hand into His hand. And I've never felt that overwhelming joy of Him coming and walking with me through my difficulty. I've never committed my life to Jesus. I don't have a relationship with Him. If that is you, I want to pray with you tonight. But then also, maybe you find yourself in a difficulty tonight. You find yourself in the suffering. You find yourself in the valley. To pray with you as well tonight. So let us close our eyes. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you have never made that decision for Him, you want to do it tonight don't you just want to put your hand up for one moment so that I can pray with you also I want to pray with you and if you are finding yourself in a valley we got to pray for one another. You know, just there where you sit, people will come around you and pray with you. So if you say tonight that, look, I'm finding myself in a valley and I don't see the way out, don't you want to just put your hand up? There are hands. Thank you so much. Yeah. Let me pray for you. Father, we want to say thank you that... The promise we have in Christ Jesus. That you say, Lord Jesus, that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, if we put our faith in you, the promise stands forevermore. That you come, Lord, and that 
you come and you change our lives forevermore. But most of all, Lord Jesus, that we find ourselves, every single one of us, Lord, in certain kind of a valley, Lord. Lord, in a suffering of some kind. And Lord, we, we sometimes don't know what to do with this. But we know, Lord, that we can come to you. We know, Lord, that you can come and minister life into our lives. And Lord, we can, we can put our hand into your hand, Lord. And, and as we find you in this valley, Lord, we, are, we know that we are walking with you. We're walking, Lord, as you being the lily of the valley, but you're also leading us, walking us with us, Lord, unto the top of this mountain to see you as the bright morning star. Lord Jesus, we, we sometimes find it difficult in our faith to, to walk with you. I pray now, Holy Spirit, that you'll give us the strength, that light, Lord, that you spoke about, uh, Lord, that you will shine it so clear in our hearts, Lord, that we will see, Lord, the track record that we have with you, that we'll hold on to you, Lord, no matter what. Lord, that we will endure to the end so that we can walk with you for all eternity. Thank you for that, Lord Jesus. Lord, I pray for every person here tonight. Be with them, minister to them, Lord, and minister to them in their need. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.